You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. I'm Doug Mason. And I'm Dave Walters. Well, one of the things that we talk a lot about on this uh, podcast is TMC. We are big fans of the uh, Trucking Maintenance Council and all the work that they do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate this episode to talking about how RPs, which are recommended practices, how RPs are developed. And then we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into a, one of the newer RPs that's coming out, RP237C uh, T, which is about uh, torque checking uh, guidelines for the hub piloted disc wheels. So I, I think this is going to be a very, very helpful uh, discussion for the folks out there. I, and I, I want to just dive right into it. So Dave, you are, your position, we've talked a lot about your position with TMC. Why don't we start out by just sort of reviewing that. Uh, what's your role with TMC? At TMC, I have many roles, but as far as when you go into the S2 tire and wheel group and just to kind of an overview of, of the whole process, at TMC, it's kind of different because you only have one voting member per company. So I'm actually the voting member. I'm called the corporate member. So basically, you could have 25 people at TMC, but your company has one voting member. So on all these RPs, on all the positions and all the chairman of the associates and, uh, you know, all the voting, you only get one vote. So my position has been the corporate voting person forever. Um, Everybody says, wow, ain't that great? Well, when an RP comes out, out of any of the study groups, I basically have to read over all them and kind of make sure that uh, I agree with them and that uh, I'm doing my due diligence for Alcoa Wheels to make sure that nothing is said that we can't agree with. So I have to read a lot of RPs and make sure that, you know, that, and then we can send in our comments and our, uh, you know, vote yes or no on them. So uh, being the voting member, it's a great thing to do, but I read them all and have to vote on all of them. Yeah, you've talked a little bit about in your discussion on what you're doing, you've touched on an RP. Let's let's go back to the beginning. How is an RP introduced? How is the idea for an RP introduced? And then what's the path to developing an RP and TMC? Here's the way they're basically introduced. On study group Monday, it's normally at TMC. It could be, you know, we've had to change them sometimes Tuesday, but it used to be on study group day, they have a leadership breakfast at 6.30 in the morning. And the leadership breakfast is where the leaders of that study group. So say, for example, I'm in tires and wheels. So I go, we sit at this table. They come and they give you a packet. And this packet contains like Either it can be from fleets or from associates, and they can say, hey, is there an RP addressing fork checking guidelines for hub piloted wheels? 
and we say, no, we don't have that RP. Well, this fleet or that fleet or this vendor or that vendor wants that. So then as a study group leadership at this breakfast, we say, is that in another RP or do we have to create an RP? So once we say, okay, we're going to create this RP, when we come into our, you know, we, we do task force study groups all day. So we're studying group. The only way to create a task force is when we have our business meeting, when we do our mini tech or our tech session is to say, hey, it's brought up that we need to write this RP or torque checking guidelines for uh, hub pilot disc wheels. And the leadership committee already kind of has somebody in mind that, but it has to be voted on by the, the thing. So they'll say, Dave Walters from Alcoa volunteered to chair this, this task force. All in favor say aye, aye. All opposed say nay. And so that's how it kind of starts. So basically, then the chairman is in charge of the first thing on an RP you have to define is you have to define the purpose and scope and the preface. What's it going to cover? Purpose and scope is how you know we're going to do that. And then there has to be kind of like an introduction of, okay, this RP is going to cover this and this is how we kind of did it. So those three things have to be done very first. And then basically the RP is developed in these task force groups. So, you know, when we go into task force Monday, they'll give you an hour to start developing this with everybody in the room, given their ideas. So it's basically an industry document on here's what we believe the industry should know about torque checking guidelines for hub palleted disc wheels. And that's why they're kind of called recommended practices, right? This is a, a conglomeration of experience and knowledge throughout the industry with technical leaders and really coming up with what is the best way the industry believes something should be done. And that's why it's really called a recommendation rather than a specification. Is that right, Dave? Absolutely correct, Doug. And I'll jump way forward, but whenever you're done with this RP, then it goes that people in that room have to vote that it goes to ballot. And then when it goes to ballot, TMC sends it out. You vote on it, the, the people, the corporate members that vote, and send back the results and the comments. You go over them results and comments. Then it's published that, hey, it passed, but now there's a 90-day appeal process. So say, for example, if this company doesn't like what's written in this thing, they can write an appeal saying, I don't believe that, that I like this because of this, this, and that. And then TMC, it goes to the board of directors and which I'm a part of that too. So I then listen to these things and we say, yeah, they got a point or no, they really don't have a point. So again, um, it's a very elaborate system to get an RP actually certified <laughs> to, to make it a part of TMC. It is a very elaborate system. I, I mean, you're bringing together the whole industry to try to agree on, on these practices, these recommendations. 
Like, for example, this uh, this torque checking guideline that we're going to be talking about in a few minutes, how long did it take from the introduction of this RP to the publishing of it? You know, so that uh, our listeners have an idea of, of the kind of work that goes into this. And I'll just state this to start with. Every RP has a different length. And really, the chairman of a committee or of an RP, I... I've been blessed to have been chairman of probably anything to do with wheels. I've been a chairman of the committee at one time or another. You kind of have to have like a, where do I want to go with this and how can I do this? Now, RP 237 is very different because what we did was, which is great about TMC, we're in a room and there's probably 40, 45 people in there. There could be as many as 10 fleets and, uh, 35 people from the tire wheel industry, axles, suspensions. And what I needed to do this RP correctly was to actually prove out that, uh, okay, if we did this, you know, we're changing the industry. We needed hardcore data, basically state that, hey, instead of stopping at 50 to 100 miles and having your torque rechecked, if we take it out for a five to 10 mile test drive, come in, do our torque check, make sure that every lug nut is still, you know, up to that torque or readjust those nuts. I needed hard data to prove that that, that was going to work. Luckily, I had a number of major fleets do this for me. And the data sheets that I was getting in was by the thousand. And I'm looking through all this stuff. So this RP took a longer time because we really wanted a, and I hate to say this, a year of testing. So they got on and they did a year of testing. And when we had all the data, writing the verbiage is very quickly. So some RPs can be done within and we only really have two meetings. You know, we have the annual meeting, we have the fall meeting. So, you know, when we say it took a year, that's pretty good because that means we introduced it at the one meeting, worked on it at the other one. We have two interim meetings and tires and wheels, and we're ready to vote on it within a year. That's pretty good. This one probably took two years or a little longer because of all the data that we had to get to prove that this five to 10 miles was going to work in the RP. So uh, you touched on on what this RP is about. This is the RP and that basically redefines, well, there's an industry standard for like you were saying the five to 10 miles, but it also, this RP is basically giving fleets flexibility there on how they check their torque, how often they check their torque, and so forth. Want to talk about that? Yeah, and what we found in this was, and this is very odd because, I mean, I had thousands of data points. What we found was once they torqued that, you know, and they did everything correctly, and and that's probably the biggest thing. They cleaned up everything. They used the two drops of oil on the threads. They brought it up to torque, not just tighten them up, then going around and letting it click. They brought it up to torque. They cleaned the wheels, cleaned the hub, did everything that it was supposed to be. And what we found was we didn't lose any torque, which was like, wow. So basically the one fleet said my interval 
I was basically bringing trucks in and doing all this. And we found out because we knew we had our process under control. And that's the key thing. Now, the one fleet, it was really funny because the times that they had trouble with their trucks and these fleet maintenance guys know like, okay, I had a road service call done here and I had a road, it was two road service calls. And so it told the fleet director that if I do road service calls, I'm going to red, they put like a little red thing in the maintenance saying, Hey, that truck needs to be brought in to check the wheels because it had road service done. We don't believe we got a, the, the kind of job that we want done by that. But in their own shops, they had a, no loss. It's only when they had road service involved. So it was very educational for a lot of reasons, SRP. Yeah, that's that's amazing uh, that that they're able to maintain their torque indefinitely. If it's torqued properly, it just stays there. That's that's great to hear. I was reading through the spec, and there there's a a point in the spec where it's talking about the fasteners, and and they they say you got you need to take a look at the fasteners and evaluate if they're poor, if they're fair, or if they're good. But I didn't see anything that said what is that. I'm sure there's there's industry standards for that, but maybe you could walk us through that. Okay, what what we were really trying to do here is because in our test fleets we had a multitude of of different types of trucks and and that. And so if they were new, okay, that's great. Or good meant like we didn't see any indication of rust and uh, no indication of uh, anything that could be bad. You know, when we say fair, we're looking at hardware that, okay, it has some corrosion, it has some uh, debris, but it's not really taken out of service. Four means they should probably take this out of service. So the fleets at first wanted that four rating systems for their own good because what they wanted to know is, can fair work as good as good or new? Or meant they're going to change it anyways. But if it shows a little of that, can we keep using it? So it was kind of, you know, as we discussed many times in this show, you're stretching that as a spring and it goes back. They really wanted to know, okay, new we know is good, good we know is good. Can fair actually maintain torque like we want, and that was more for the fleets. So okay. again, very valuable. Kind of an experience thing as well, Dave. There, I mean, as they're doing these studies, I'm assuming that they were reviewing what the the studs were like and the whole setup to establish what they thought was fair or good. And I know that we've again, like you said, discussed previously that you can bring a used stud back up to basically new by just managing that properly in terms of the cleaning and in terms of the uh, lubrication that you're using as well. So that makes sense. Yeah. I understood by what they wanted was, in the fleet level, what you understand in most of these RPs is they're trying to put criteria in their own shop to say, okay, if we rate this as poor, it needs to be replaced. If we rate it as uh fair does it have to be replaced and new and good was just kind of a given you know what i'm saying so fair was really the, the defining thing 
it has something. Can we, like you said, get it back to where we think it's good? And is it going to maintain torque? That's really what they wanted. I see that they're asking, and also one of the things I noticed in the spec that caught my eye was that they're asking for a 30-piece sample. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about the importance of a 30-piece sample. Basically, when you get a 30-piece sample of almost anything, you know, if you get into the deep into the statistics, uh, there's going to be some some variation depending on the situation. But 30 pieces is a really good number. When you get 30 pieces of a trial, what that does is it, it helps you define a, a bell curve. And I think everybody knows what a bell curve of, uh, is. A bell curve is basically it looks like a bell. And if you, you get a whole population of, of whatever, a whole bunch population of torques, most of them are going to be in that tall part of the bell curve. There's going to be a few that are in the tail on, uh, on the low side, or there's going to be a few that are on the tail on the high side. But that 30 pieces gives you enough pieces that you can actually establish what that bell curve looks like. And one of the great things about that 30 pieces is that if you're seeing like Dave was just mentioning, if you're seeing that the torque is dead on for that 30-piece sample, the, your bell curve is going to be very, very tight, and you know you are under control. That also tells you that when you start getting samples that you check it down the road sometime, and you start getting samples that are outside of that bell curve, something has happened. Something is, something is wrong, and you have to chase that down. So that 30-piece sample sort of gives you a baseline that you can work from and you can check against as time goes on. A perfect example was the, the situation that Dave pointed out there where they had somebody on the road, they had some road service done, and uh, they checked those samples and all of a sudden the, those numbers are coming in way out of that bell curve. That told them that something happened here and gave them some data that they could go chase down. That's what that 30-piece sample is. And then that's also in the in the spec, it's talking about a spot checking. And that spot checking is checking against that bell curve, checking against that 30-piece sample. Hey, are we still coming in there? Is it still coming, looking good there? That's using statistics, but without using statistics. It's sort of, uh, it, you know, you don't have to go through the math. You You get a pretty good feel. Once you have that bell curve, you'll have a pretty good feel. Once you have those 30 pieces, uh, you'll know what to expect. You'll get a pretty good idea what to expect, and you'll be able to identify when things are going a little uh, little sideways on you. This is a fantastic RP. I can see where the, the fleets are, are going to get a lot of use out of it. Yeah, and, and from my point of view, what the industry had wasn't practical. And I remember going to our legal counsel, Ed Drake, and I told him, this was my idea. And he's like, you know, anytime you can make any practice practical, I can defend that for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? When you guys write stuff that's not practical, that's hard to defend, but this would be great. So, I mean, it was a blessing from everybody. And it's really changed the industry because what once was written, we kind of proved that hey, here's another way of doing it, and it's better, and it's easy, and you can do this. So it was a great RP for our industry. I encourage all of our listeners who are in the maintenance uh, industry, uh, anybody who's responsible for for torquing wheels, 
take a look at this RP. It's RP237C, uh, available from, from TMC. Very, very valuable. And like Dave just said, it, it'll change the way you do business. Really uh, good stuff. Any final words, Dave or Doug? Dig into TMC. It'll be good for your business. <laughs> TMC's going to love you for that. For our listeners, remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And please, if you like what you hear, share it on social media. To submit, if you have any questions or comments, if you want to take a look at the episode transcript, so you can visit our website, elcowheels.com slash podcast. Really want to thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation, manufacturing, and technology. Inventing the first forged aluminum wheel in 1948, its team of experts continue to develop the most lightweight, efficient, and high-performing commercial vehicle aluminum wheel products. Bringing you revolutionary innovations like Alcoa Durabright wheels, Alcoa Durablack wheels, the new Alcoa Wheels hubboard technology, and the lightest truck wheel on the market, Alcoa Ultra One 22.5 by 8.25 wheel. Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation.